Hey friends, my name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We're working to build a community position to experience God in daily life. Our weekly teaching is one piece of that work. So as you listen to this week's message, my prayer is that you would hear God inviting you to respond to his love and his desire for you. For more information, you can visit ridgeline.church. Hey, we are in the midst uh, of a series that I'm calling Garden State that is all about these six core longings that God has put inside of all of us for the specific purpose of drawing us into deeper relationship with him. The problem is we often go elsewhere to try to have these longings satiated and satisfied, and that doesn't work. And so we are spending uh, six weeks together looking at each of these longings and specifically how God wants to satisfy these longings inside of us the very same way that he intended uh, in the Genesis story when Adam and Eve were in this idyllic, perfect garden with all of their longings met by God. But like us, uh, they decided that that was not enough for them. And so we're trying with God's help and by his grace to correct this where we can. And so this morning... I want to talk about the universal longing that we all feel for purpose. Now, purpose, simply put, is just this. Purpose is the reason for which something exists. And <clears throat> purpose is why we all, at some point in our, in our lives, tend to wrestle with that existential question, why am I here? Now, clearly, this longing for purpose in our lives runs very deep, and one of the evidences of how deep this longing is for us is that some of the best-selling books of all time are a sincere attempt to answer this question of purpose. One of the examples of that that many are familiar with is Rick Warren's A Purpose-Driven Life. Uh, that book to, to date has sold 50 million copies in 85 different languages. It spent 90 weeks uh, as the best-selling book on the New York Times bestseller list insane success of this book because there is this deep longing in us to live lives of purpose and meaning. Now, again, I've tried to state this every week. I want to continue to state this. These longings that we have are not a problem. They have been put there by God. He put them there for a relational purpose, to draw us into deeper relationship with him. And so the longing is not the problem. God gave us these longings. The problem, especially when it comes to purpose, is oftentimes the point from which we start to pursue purpose in our lives. Our starting point is the problem. And so I would argue that your starting point in almost everything in life really, really matters. For instance, my, my kids, who uh, in honor of Mother's Day are all home sick this morning, <laughs> but my kids, uh, like, like most kids, love, love, love Lego. Now, quick public service announcement. Do you know that the plural of Lego is actually Lego? Not Legos. Did you know that? I was 40 years old when I learned that. I want to save you the embarrassment of being 40 and learning that. So just so you know, there's no such thing as Legos. That's bad grammar. It's just Lego. Okay? That's it. See, you learn stuff every time you come here. Now back to my story. So my kids love Lego. And despite their love for Lego, they rarely build anything without some degree of frustration involved in the process. 
And their frustration is almost always because of the exact same mistake. They begin a new section from the wrong starting point. Now, I don't know the degree to which Lego is a part of your life, but they have gotten quite technical. I, I remember when I was a kid, if your friend was like, you wanna play Lego? And, and you said yes, the same thing always happened. Someone brought out this giant bin that was filled with the multicolor Legos in no order whatsoever, and you had to use your imagination, and you had to build something out of it. Well, I'm here to tell you, times have changed. You have to, first of all, take out a mortgage to buy one of these sets, because they are so, so expensive now. And then, and then secondly, you've got this like step-by-step -step direction guide that takes you all the way through it. It's been written by an architect, and you have to be an engineer to actually build some of these things, but, but this, is, this is the process. And the most important thing about this is you have to start at the right point and follow every single step. Because if you start from the wrong point, it's just impossible to reach the desired outcome that you're trying to build. And so over and over again, when I hear one of my kids building Lego and they get frustrated, they have started at the wrong point, skip some stuff, so you gotta like deconstruct the whole thing, get to the right starting point, and rebuild from there. And my point is just to say that your starting point in life really, really matters. And that is especially true when it comes to our purpose. And oftentimes, when we begin to pursue some sense of purpose and meaning in our lives, I would argue we start from the wrong point. Because by and large, when it comes to our pursuit of purpose, our starting point is always ourselves. And so we start with questions like, what do I want? What am I passionate about? What am I good at? What do I enjoy? Now, these are all certainly factors in identifying and living from our purpose, but I would argue that they are a misleading starting point. In the opening, very opening passage to his book, The Purpose Driven Life, look at what Rick Warrens wrote. He said, it's not about you. It's a really fun, confrontational way to start it sold 50 million copies, and that's the sentence he started with. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And so as we consider this longing that we all have to live lives of purpose and meaning, we have to start with God. And so I want to submit to you today that God has a threefold purpose for every single person he has ever created. And there will be nuances to the way that it is specific to you, but in general, there is a threefold purpose that God has for our lives. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I just want you to make a note of this. God's purpose for my life is these three things. It is relational, formational, and vocational. God's purpose for my life is relational, formational, and vocational. And so I want to spend just a few minutes together this morning breaking each of these down. So let's start with this first purpose. God's purpose for us is relational. God's purpose is relational. Now we've talked about this before, but you know, one of the things that we see happening over and over in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is Jesus having some religious or legal leader in his day come to him and ask him the same question over and over again, which is, what is the greatest commandment? 
And I've mentioned this to you before, but that was a very common question amongst religious leaders. It was a way for a religious leader to display their own insight, to talk about their own convictions around this thing. And it was a huge question because again, the Jewish people acknowledge 613 commands in the Old Testament. So imagine having this buffet put in front of you with 613 options. If you've ever been to a Vegas buffet, that's pretty much what it's like. 613 options, and Jesus is is asked to pick. Which one is the most important? Which one of these is the most weighty? Which one of them sums up them all? And we know, if you're familiar with any of these instances, Jesus always answers the same way. But here's what I think is very interesting. The question is always brought to Jesus in the context of rules. Like, Jesus, what rule in the Old Testament is the greatest? And every time, Jesus answers the question in a way where he roots that rule in relationship. And an example of this is in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 36. A legal expert comes to Jesus and says again, Teacher, which command is the greatest in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. So notice this leader comes to Jesus and he is asked, now, what is the most important rule? Like if, we, if, if we're just gonna focus our attention on the one that sums up them all, what's the most important rule to which Jesus says, it's not so much about the rule, it's about a relationship. It's about loving God, which is relational, and loving people, which is very relational. And so our problem when it comes to this purpose of relationship with God that he has for us, where we derive purpose and meaning from, is that oftentimes, most of us are pretty aware of this, our lives are not properly positioned in a way that is conducive to relationship with God and relationship with other people. That could be because we have a tendency to hide because of woundedness in our life. We don't want people to know us and to know what really goes on inside of us. Sometimes we just physically avoid relationship altogether. Sometimes we're too busy to have a relationship with God. I went, I'm working on some resources for, to help teenagers and kids know how to sit with God uh, on their own. And so I went to my kids' school Uh, Intermountain Christian School, and I met with the eighth grade class and the seventh grade class just to have an open dialogue about this. And I asked seventh and eighth graders, what is the number one thing that makes spending time with God challenging for you? You know what every single one of them said? Time. It's like, bro, you're you're in seventh grade. You don't even have facial hair yet. How, how, How can you be so busy? But I'm telling you, if you pay attention to what's going on in kids' lives, they're too busy to spend time with God. And if it's true in seventh and eighth grade, it's definitely true for us. Some of us are just, we, we live at a clip that is not conducive to being able to actually have a relationship with God, nor a relationship with people. So just imagine with me for a second, think about how one of the great threats to purpose in our lives 
is especially, so if it's true that God's purpose for us is first and foremost relational, relationship with him and relationship with one another, then one of the greatest threats to purpose is the elevation of doing things for God over being with God. Now, both of those are necessary. As we're gonna see in a few minutes, there are things that God wants us to do. He's put us here to do. But oftentimes, we're so bent on doing things for God, we do that at the expense of actually being with him. And what you forfeit in that instance is relationship. As we've already said, it's Mother's Day today. So in our house after church today, we've got Mother's Day stuff going on. And, uh, and yesterday, the kids and I were out in the morning shopping, getting stuff ready. And so I just want you to imagine that we go home from church today and my kids and I are like on the Mother's Day thing. So we got the gifts all wrapped. We give those to Tammy, we give the cards, and then I'm cooking dinner tonight so you can whew, pray for me. It's gonna take me all day. Like as soon as I'm done here, that's the rest of my day probably. It's not even a complicated meal. That's just how slow I am. So, so imagine that we're just so busy. Like, we got to get this perfect. We got to have everything that we need for mom. That Tammy is like off in the corner all day going, hey, could I be a part of the Mother's Day thing today? And we're like, we need you to just stay there. We're in the middle of executing a really good Mother's Day right now. That would be like what we would forfeit in that is relationship with her. And that's exactly what we do to God and what we often do to one another. We forfeit the ability to actually relate. And when we forfeit the ability to relate, we miss the very starting point of our relationship with God. Our purpose begins and abides in the context of relationship with God and one another. And when those wane, when relationship with God or relationship with others wanes in our lives, do not be surprised when your sense of purpose follows. And so here's a question I would invite you to spend some time reflecting on over the next few days. Am I properly prioritizing my relationship, meaning my love for God and my love for the people in my life? Or is there potentially something in me, in my priorities, that's out of balance? It's critical that we answer that question honestly because God's purpose for us is first and foremost relational. But that's not all. God's purpose for us is always, secondly, it is also formational. It's formational. Now, th th tell me if this is not true. Well, don't really say it because it'll be awkward. Just think it in your head, okay? It seems like every conversation that we ever have or anytime we begin to think about or to pursue this subject of purpose, we tend to start with this question, what am I on earth to do? Right? That's that kind of classic existential question. Why am I here? In that is, is this kind of sub-question that is, what am I here to do? And again, we'll see in a minute, there are things that we are here to do. But what rarely gets asked is, who am I here to become? Who am I here to become? And we know that that's an important part of our purpose because of how frequently the scriptures speak in one way or another about our formation. My favorite example of that comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. Paul writes, Therefore, so because of, he's just finished this beautiful hymn about how good and how great and how powerful God is. And then he transitions in chapter 12 and he says, Therefore, because of God being all that, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, 
So because God has already shown you mercy and invited you to himself, because of that, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So notice that this sacrifice comes in response to the mercy of God that we have already been given. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Then he says this, do not be conformed to this age, which means not to adopt the value system of the world that we live in. Instead, that we're to be kingdom-minded. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So Paul, I think, makes it pretty clear that transformation, more specifically, our formation into the image of Christ is central to our purpose. And so as a result of that, it is critical that we ask ourselves the question, who am I here to become? And asking the right questions is so critical. You know, oftentimes all it takes is the right question to wrestle with to get you unstuck in life. The right questions are critical. Think about a time that you've gone to the doctor, okay? Every time you go to the doctor, they take you into that tiny little room that is just white. There's been no thought whatsoever given to the experience of it. It's just cold, dank. And so you sit on the weird table with the paper that is just rips no matter how you sit on it. It's awful. And so then a doctor comes in and they proceed to ask you an unbelievable number of questions about everything. You're like there for a foot issue and they ask about every other part of it. Like it's, you're, there's so many questions. But imagine that your doctor comes in and, and doesn't ask you any questions about your health whatsoever. Instead, just wants to pick your brain on your favorite shows that you're binging right now. Wouldn't be helpful, right? You would be like on the inside screaming, like I feel like my spleen is about to explode. Maybe we don't need to talk about Squid Game right now. Maybe there's some other subject matter that we should be talking about. The right questions are critical to us getting what it is that we're trying to get. And so we have to ask ourselves a good question like, who have I been put on this earth to become? And the answer to that question that we have been spending a lot of time on this year is someone who looks more and more like Jesus. And so another question for us to reflect on is, is this, is my life, where is my life not positioned to experience God's formational purpose. And I think this very much ties back to God's first purpose for our lives because if we are not in a position to be able to relate with God, then we will not experience his formational purpose for us because that formation happens in the context of relationship with him. So Jesus' purpose for our life is relational first and foremost. Secondly, it's formational. And then thirdly, it is vocational. It's vocational. Now, this is where we get into what we tend to think of as purpose. We think about the things that we do. Now, it's important that we understand when we use the word vocation, we are not just talking about one's career or one's job. The word vocation comes from a Latin word that means to call. So when we talk about vocation, what we're really talking about is your unique calling, And the truth is that calling is not always what you get paid to do. But 
It is what God put you here to do. And I wanna say, as much as I've been trying to root this in relationship and in formation, God did put you here to do some things. And one place that the Apostle Paul again makes that clear is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. In 8 and 9, he has these beautiful verses about how we are saved by grace through faith, not by our works so that nobody can boast. And then in verse 10, he says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So God very much did prepare some things for you and specifically for you to do. God wired you the way you're wired for a purpose. And I am quite certain that we all have aspects to our personalities that we wish that we could change. Maybe you wish you were more extroverted. Maybe you wish you were more introverted. Maybe you wish that you were more brave and outgoing. Maybe you wish you were more reflective. Regardless, you're the way that you are and God made you that way for a purpose. And it's very much tied to what he has put you specifically on this earth to do. And so the question is, how do we go about dis discerning what our vocation is? How do we go about discerning what God's call on our life is? And I think to just keep it as simple as possible, here's what I would encourage you to do. Look for the intersection of three things. Look for the intersection of your, of your passion, your gifts, and opportunity. The place at which those three things intersect, I can almost guarantee you will find God's call on your life, your passions, your gifts, and opportunity. So when we think about our passions, we're asking the question, what is it that I love? What is it that when I do it, when I think about it, when I participate in it, I feel alive? Now, I do want to say something about passion, because anytime we're talking about vocation and career and work, there's a lot of really popular dumb things that get said that are not true. Here's one. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That is a dumpster fire of lies. It's so, like, I got to tell you, I genuinely, I love my job. I get to help people know God more. Like genuinely, it's hard to find, at least for me, a job that could be more meaningful than that. I love it. I love getting to teach. I love getting to sit with people. I love getting to have, be part of my job, reading scripture and prayer. I feel very blessed by that. Every day, my job is meaningful. And I gotta tell you, there's a lot of days, it sucks. So that notion that if, man, if I could, so if those of you that might be in a season of life where you're frustrated and you're dissatisfied, there is something to the grass is always greener. So just because I say that, just so that our hearts would be tempered so that you know, like even if I step into something I'm passionate about, there's still gonna be days it sucks. The world's broke. We're broke. Broke in. Broke's bad English. So that's just not, that's not true. But we do want to look for, as we're trying to discern what God has called us to specifically, where, where am I passionate? What am I passionate about? And then secondly, we want to look at our gifts, which is like, what am I actually good at? Because sometimes we have misalignment between our passions and our gifts. Agreed? Like, I love basketball. I don't know what is funny to you about that. <laughs> 
Could it be that I'm 5'10", middle-aged, and have like a four-inch vertical? Could be that. So like, there's a misalignment. I don't think the NBA's in the cards for me at this point. The Jazz played so bad in the playoffs, I feel like I could have helped. But that would be a misalignment between a passion and gifts. And so when it comes to God call on our lives, there's going to be alignment between those two things. So think about the things in your life that you are actually good at. And this is a tremendous place for us to invite our community into the process. You know, that, 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 that one, here's my, I know a lot of people have taken um, like a spiritual gift assessment, which is like, you know, you, it's like an SAT for spiritual gifts, basically. So you take it and then at the end it spits out, here's your spiritual gift. I'm not opposed to those by any means. Biblically speaking, the way that spiritual gifts are meant to be identified is in the context of community where other people are saying to you, hey, when you teach, it benefits me, it helps me, it edifies me. When you serve, you have so much faith, like all of these, they're meant to be identified in community. And so when it comes to identifying our gifts in the context of our calling, that's a really healthy place to like sit with your squad or to sit with a, uh, with a trusted friend in your life and, and say like, I'm trying to discern this, like what, what are the things in my life that you see that I'm good at? Or that when I do, it's a blessing to you, or it helps you, or it edifies other people. Because as we look at that, we'll begin to see some alignment beginning to take place between something we're passionate about and something that God has actually gifted us to be able to do. And then the third part of this formula is, is opportunity. So we're looking for where, where are doors open to me? Now, here's one thing that I would say to you. Sometimes you have the passion, sometimes you have the gift, and you don't have an opportunity. And in that case, the answer is most likely to patiently wait on God. Because often, like I've got some things even in my own life right now that I have passion for, that I have giftedness in, that I believe is being underutilized, but there's not opportunity to be able to work that out. And so, Thankfully, by God's grace, the older I get, I'm getting like just a little bit better of being able to wait on him. I still am not great at it, but I used to be horrific at it. Because oftentimes when we run up against that, especially when we're young, what we try to do is kick the door down rather than wait for God to open it. And, and what I would tell you is that, 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 that any time God delays in putting opportunity in front of us when there's passion and gift already there, it's always for a purpose. And more often than not, there's something still preparationally that needs to take place in our hearts or in our giftedness. And so we're looking for opportunity. And when we find that our passion and our gifts and opportunity intersect one another, more often than not, that is where we find our calling and our vocation and the purpose for which God put us on this planet. Now, as we get ready to close, here's, here's, I think, the big problem when it comes to our purpose. We are prone to focus so much of our attention on that third purpose of vocation, and we forget that that third one is only ever discovered in the context of the first two. And by that I mean, the more that we focus on relationship with God and relationship with one another, the more that we position our lives for our, for our formation, the less that we're probably going to have to wonder 
about our vocation because it comes right out of it. But if we neglect those first two, if we neglect relationship with God, if we neglect relationship with others, if we don't position our lives to experience formation, I guarantee you, you're gonna have a very hard time ever discerning what God's vocational purpose for your life actually is because it necessarily flows out of those first two. And so for just a second this morning, I wanna invite you to reflect on this as we close. How, How can I press in to God's purpose this week? How can I further press in to God's purpose for my life this week. Maybe there has just been real significant neglect on your part of relationship with God or relationship with people. Spend some time there. Figure out why that is and what it would look like for you to take a step toward relationship with God and others. Maybe it's something to do with formation. Maybe there's very little spiritual practice in your life. Maybe your spiritual life is kind of like this extracurricular thing on the side rather than the very center from which you live. Maybe it is something vocationally. Maybe you've never really spent much time thinking about like, man, what, what has God put me here to do? What am I passionate about? What am I good at? Where do I have opportunity in front of me? So ask yourself, how can I press into God's purpose this week? Because make no mistake, God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is relational, first and foremost. It is formational, secondly. And then finally, it is vocational. So why don't we pray and ask that the Spirit of God would give us wisdom and discernment to know what it would look like for us, how he's inviting us to further press in to that purpose this week. And then we'll take an opportunity to do a little bit of Q&A. And so if you have questions, if you want to text those in to the number on the screen, uh, even now, that would be great. We'll, we'll answer, hopefully, if there, or do we have any questions yet? Good. I forgot to mention it at the outset, which is always problematic. So let me pray for us. Spirit, we thank you that you have deep, deep purpose for our lives. But we also thank you that you have not created us in order to use us. So you did not just create us to do things on your behalf. You created us to experience healing relationship with you. And it is that relationship more than anything else that brings purpose and meaning to our lives. And Lord, we, we, we thank you that you were so committed to relationship with us, that Jesus, you gave your life in our place for our sin to give us access to you. We thank you for that. And Lord, we want to press more deeply into our relationship with you and into our relationships with one another. Lord, we ask that you would continue to do the work that ultimately only you can do in forming us into the image of Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that even now, that if it would be beneficial to us, that you would make us aware of an area in our lives that you want to bring into alignment with the character and the nature of Jesus, that you want to form Christ in us. And Lord, I pray for those of us that are still, as of yet, trying to discern our calling, our vocation, what you put us here to do. Lord, help us to 
be sober-minded, help us to be humble and to be honest, and we pray that you would give us the wisdom necessary to find the intersection of our passions and our gifts and opportunity. Lord, you have not created any of us to live meaningless lives. And I pray especially for anyone here that might be feeling discouraged even right now as they look at their own life and they don't feel a sense of purpose and meaning. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would know how deeply they matter to you. And I pray that you would help them to spend some time with what we've talked about this morning, to wrestle with these things, to ask these important questions. And I pray, Lord, that each of us, in our own unique, diverse ways, would live into the purpose for which you created each and every one of us. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.